And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that local shouting, it's Daner and Dave Ninemitz. It's Daner and Dave Ninemitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Daner Jr., Dave Ninemitz of the athletic are excited to be with you on a tuesday morning Bengals off day in the middle of i don't know we're at the core of hell aren't we now dave it's like <laughs> 120 degree heat index this week i don't i don't it's, know i can't keep track of uh all the things that are insufferable anymore yeah it is it is <laughs> brutal out there <laughs> actually it's not too bad this morning if everybody no. would just do anything at like eight in the morning you're fine no question it. If if you want to be outside, I recommend when the moon's up. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it's a very good rule of thumb right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> right now, um, and it's been really a delight to have to stand outside uh, during training camp practices for this. I can't tell you how okay. much I enjoy back sweat being a prominent <laughs> conversation piece. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that's where we're at in camp. It's been a wild one. Uh, we've got a bunch to get to today is going to be our defensive episode. Uh, we talked a bunch about the offensive side of the ball expectations, Joe Burrow's future, um, all of those things last week. Um, we're going to go to the defensive side this week as we kind of, you know, still taking big picture look at this season and, and properly getting into expectations. Cause it's almost here, Dave. Can crazy soon. oh god i can't get here soon enough cut down day is next tuesday um so we will be recording after final cuts that goes right up to the deadline at four o'clock next tuesday zach taylor doing a zoom to talk about it at 4 15 so in the evening next tuesday we'll have a full reaction to cuts and uh and and, and all of those types of things and then you know from that point forward we're kind of uh we're getting into game week uh, after that for the opener, which uh, is coming on a corner, which is which takes me. Well, of course, we'll have Mo Egger to join us here in a little bit here. We'll talk more on defense. I want to get through some news. But first, I got to make sure when I talk about game week, one of my favorite days of the year is almost here, Dave. Do you know what day that is? It's time for Fiddy West. Yes, it is. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, the Thursday uh, of of the of game week of the open the actual opener chiefs and lions of course is going to kick off around 8 30 but as we have done in recent years myself if dave i assume you'll be there i'm going to invite every media member that's willing to come and take some free beers from me uh to come and talk bangles hang out have some drinks i expect some very optimistic predictions and pandering to occur as it often does. Uh, and you guys can come on out to 50 West in the beer garden while the sun sets and we talk and then everyone can hang out and with us a little bit and uh, watch chiefs lions. I don't imagine who you'll be rooting for in that tilt, 
Uh, but <laughs> Um, it should be a really fun night. I always love this night. I think it's the best way to kick off the season. Um, in the last couple of years, I believe I've hung on to the bear to the very bitter end uh, <laughs> and, and had a great night. So I really look forward to anybody that wants to come out. We'll be out there again. It should be a ton of fun. Really looking forward to doing that live event. So you're not specifically pointing out any media members you don't want there? No, it is an okay. open. I'm, this I is mean, your, that's. It's an open kind of invitation. A thing to do these no, days. It, it is kind of a thing. Maybe I should say, you know, I look, we'll get there. We'll get there. I will address the <laughs> next situation uh, here soon we got enough. A little ahead of ourselves. We got a little ahead of ourselves. I, you know, I will I won't ban anybody from uh from the event. No. Or <laughs> I'll let is, them come, but I will I will not ask them any questions. On there the you go. There yeah, you go. Just make no. them sit there uncomfortably. <laughs> to we'll to anyone there. though. So anyone though that's worried that they'd miss the game, I I will attest that's a good setup out there if it's, it's awesome. a nice night, especially to to watch a game. So and uh, even if it's it, not that they have the tents and we yeah. are, they're they're prepared to put us under a tent. I I mean we we had probably two or three times as many people as I think they were anticipating last yeah. year. People people were carrying benches across the volleyball <laughs> courts. I think we ended up about 150, 200 people out nice. there, and it was awesome. It was a perfect night. I just I love it so much. So that's coming up. That's on September seventh. Hope to see you there. Um, Burrow update contractually obligated. Joe Burrow update. Um, he has no contract still. Well no extension he um hasn't been out at practice but he's in the locker room everything seems fine there zach taylor said he looks as good as he's looked at this point physically talking about you know last year obviously he had the he had to put on weight and you had the acl the year before that but as far as like walking around looking strong all all things are well uh there so but yes no contract extension yet for burrow um, no return to practice yet. Again, it continues to be reading between the lines time here on what yeah. he's actually doing. We talked about last week how, you know, when I asked specifically about wouldn't walkthroughs be the next step, there was, well, you know, things happen behind the scenes that you don't <laughs> see. And then when it was talked about how he was throwing regularly, um, he said, well, I don't know about that. You know, like, I'm not sure yet. We're sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course, you're not sure of whether he's throwing <laughs> or not. So, you know, I think some of your questions are being answered on what's happening behind the scenes. Rumor has it he may or may not be engaged. I know that's something that uh, all the uh, news, uh, the news people uh, and the uh, interneters are love to talk about. Um, so we can move on from his hair and his headband now. So hairs, headbands. Z- he he wears a zero jersey. I look forward to seeing everybody in the Guinness <laughs> zero jersey at yeah. Paycor Stadium this year. If I see one, I will tweet it. That would, I mean, that would be strong, especially with that teal blue just sticking out Ooh, in the crowd. That is a deep cut if you're wearing yeah. the Guinness zero. Yeah. I got to tell you, <laughs> that would be that would be impressive. If somebody can do that, they get a major tip of the cap for, yeah, t- for tip of the cap purchasing. Yeah. No question. Uh, and but I want to see it in like six years when this campaign isn't around. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. It'd be <laughs> like wearing a uh, what was the uh, what was the Deion Sanders character Leon Sandbag? Oh or no, it's the Sandcastle. Yeah. <laughs> Sandcastle. If you had that jersey, you know that yeah. would be strong now. So I think it <laughs> falls in that Leon Sandcastle kind of strata of amazing jerseys i I love the idea um i do want to you know while we're talking about burrow 
Um, let's go through. I, I love a run past or boot, Dave, because I like to stay on brand. Sure. And uh, John Brossert, appreciate you dropping a run past or boot on me on the X machine or the Twitter, the formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> the, 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 the Musk ego project, whatever we're calling it these days. Yeah, we don't even know what the rules are on there. They change every day. Yeah. Every day. Uh, but he, on that site, a, a RPB was <laughs> dropped on me, said a Burrow deal will be announced this week, next week, or game week. Uh, run, pass, or boot. This is a really tough one. I had, I actually, I was very tempted yesterday, Dave, in the Zach Taylor press conference to just say, Zach, could you blink twice if the Burrow deal is close? <laughs> I mean, like, this is where it's at. I mean, people are like, why is no one talking about this? Because no one is going to answer, is, has, and has clearly stated, we're not answering. There is no question that can be asked of anyone that's going to give us any idea. So I'm trying to just trick them into like, we're like holding their <laughs> eyelids open or something. Like I don't, yeah. I, at this point, like it, it, no, it's really, really hard to pinpoint. I, I will, I will run with, I don't know. I'll run with next week and I will, Ass on game week. And I guess I'm going to boot this week only because we're two days in and yeah. it hasn't happened yet. So I feel like I'm just playing my odds. I, I don't know. I I just don't know, man. The here, My explanation has been this. These things are complicated. I feel like they're sitting there trying to do it all together. Okay, they're trying to do Higgins. They're trying to do Burrow. They're trying to find a way to make it all work. They're, they're weighing... Collins. I will say, I mean, I do think there is a deadline on that cutdown day because you have decisions to make there on terms of who yeah. you would keep, who you would cut, PUP, things like that that could be involved. So, so perhaps that could be considered part of it. But when you're trying to put it all together, I do think it's really complicated, and I think that they are intertwined, and so that that's part of what makes it go longer. Um, as well it's just really hard to say i i hate to give a non-answer that was a lot of words to say nothing but i yeah. think that's where it's at and i think the answer is there's no we don't know like no one knows and they want it that way yeah i think the encouraging thing to take from it is when you look around the league and you see contract situations is when things start leaking out about it. So when you get an agent that's putting it out there that this is happening, we, we haven't had any of that. We haven't had any, uh, you know, Joe's upset about this or the team's not doing this or whatever. So I, I think things have to be going generally smoothly. Like you look at the Jonathan Taylor situation and that's a lot of agent involvement and just it's mm. gone off the tracks. So I think, I think it's definitely moving toward getting done soon. I would run with game week. I don't know why. I just feel like it's NFL news cycle type stuff. And what a great thing to have out there to be all over the headlines for a day. And then I would agree with you that I boot this week just because, you know, we've already it just playing the odds there that you've uh, yeah. that you've lost a couple days already on it. So uh, that would put next week in the middle for me. But you're right. It's. It's hard to know, but it, it'll drop on a bomb, like a bomb on us, probably on Friday night at seven thirty, because that's that'd be great. These things that'd be great. But yeah. um, I'll, I'll say this: I mean, you know, one of his best friends, um, 
around that we see him hang out with all the time in the offseason, him, Sam Hubbard, and the Bosa's. Nick Bosa entering week five of his holdout in San Francisco right now. Um, yeah. Also trying to get an extension done. Um, always keep an eye on that. Who are your friends across the league? Who are you tight with? You know, these are... And there's no one in San Francisco, that's the thing coming out of San Francisco when you talk to our San Francisco people. No one's worried about Nick Bosa. They're expect, everyone expects it to get done. But at a certain point, you do start looking at your watch. And I understand Bengals fans are looking at their watch or staring at the panic button like that meme. You know, do I hit it with us while they're sweating? But mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's there. It's, it's not there yet. We've said that the whole time. Talk to me at Labor Day. Talk to me if we are talking about game week. Okay. Yeah. And and let's revisit it then if when and, and we can talk about our relationship with the panic button. Okay. Uh all right, let's let's move on. I have a story up in the back of quarterbacks. I think it's the biggest thing kind of remaining with this roster right now. Trevor Simeon, uh Jake Browning, um who's ahead i've i've i went into really too it really too much detail dave almost honestly <laughs> i feel like it was a little too i i just went i ended it's what happens i end up going a little deep um but it's really i think it's changed a little bit now i i think browning is clearly ahead you look at the numbers you judge by practice you judged by ceiling um i think browning is clearly ahead of simeon um they said but they said it's not decided yet Nobody knows. It's up in the air. They've been up front internally, and they said so they're not going to say exactly what they've said, but um, that it's that it's not over yet. It's still up in the air. You still have these practices and the game against Washington, but I think it's moved, Dave. Yeah. I think it's now Browning versus Brandon Allen in San Francisco, yeah. more so yeah. than it's Browning versus Simeon, unless something dramatic happens on Saturday in Washington. Brennan Allen should be available. You know, I talked to our San Francisco people there too, and they said they're not keeping four quarterbacks. They're not. Doesn't look like they're dealing any, but their big three: Darnold, Lance. Yeah, he's, he's not even. Allen's not even getting snaps. No, I mean, in practice, they're just they're giving all the reps to everybody else. So, so he'll be indicate. available, and yeah. I think that. They have to weigh what Brandon Allen was here. He can show up. He knows the offense. He can learn it very quicker than anybody in the league that's not here right now. Was what Brandon Allen was, or they think he still is, better than Browning has been over this month where they've gotten a real deep look at him. The valuation needs to be made. They will make it. I think there's a chance they're that he they're both here, that Browning and Allen are both here. Yeah. Why wouldn't Allen want to come here rather than stay on the practice? Would he want to be on this practice squad? Or if it came to that, or would he rather be on San Francisco's practice squad behind all those guys? I think he'd probably rather be back here, wouldn't he? Yeah. I mean, unless another team steps up and shows interest in him. And they put him on the available. 53. And maybe these yeah. guys put him on the 53. Point yeah. being, though, I, when we start, it, they're not going to go pay for some guy. They're not going to go get Foles or Wentz or one of these guys that's going to be expensive. They're not going to pay a bunch of money. Okay. You, that may sound fine to hot take, but that's not going to happen. Um, it's 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 going to be somebody who is cheaper who is a, a cut maybe somebody they liked from another team ends up here on a practice squad or they keep a third qb um which is a, a harder move to do but you maybe they could do that because they're, they're they want to hedge their bets on browning if, yeah. if he doesn't being the winner um so I, I just there's a lot of different directions it could go uh but i think that's kind of where it stands right now but up in the air technically um but i think they're open 
they're they're open to it being someone that's not on the roster right now too. It's it's they're just trying to trying to get it all figured out and they'll figure it out after this weekend. Yeah, um, and I, I I think everybody needs to probably just pump the brakes on a guy like Wentz. I don't know that you want Wentz here anyhow, to be honest with you. As right. Some somebody who is the editor for the Colts as well. <laughs> I've, I've seen the uh destruction and he leaves behind. It's weird because it seems like a good enough guy, but it never works out in the last few stops. So yep. I you know, I don't know that you want to introduce that to this team culture. Yep. Uh, tick through a couple quick notes before we we uh, bring Mo in here. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox has been cleared to practice. Of course, he, when they when they signed him right before camp started, he went on PUP, was kind of hanging around and struggling in the background. He's back, um, and that's good for him in a, in a tight end battle that you know is kind of a bunch of guys in the back of that room trying to figure out who it's going to be. Uh, him getting cleared is is a really good sign for him being that guy though, because. Um, you know, there was a chance they could have stashed him on PUP as a background, but they're not going to do that. He's going to be back. So um, I'd say I'd put him leader in the clubhouse probably to just be back as a third tight end. Um, There's a bunch of DBs that have been, that kind of have some soreness or a little bit banged up. I mean, you, you had safety Mike Thomas out playing corner in practice week as DJ Turner had some soreness. Um, Cheetah Bay Wuze still working back, although he's now in a, he did some work in 11 on 11s, F from seven on seven. So he's kind of co- done a very, a very cautionary ramp up that is now ramped pretty high up to where he's even taking part in teams, all still looking great on the Cheetah Bay Wuze front. He's should be full go for the opener, but yeah, Turner had some soreness. Marvell, T- like the back, a bunch of the corners just ended up being out, so they're. Working through that, but no big deal in general. Yeah. Does that strengthen the argument for keeping Uncle Mike around? No. I mean, I mean he'll just do right? he'll just do everything. I mean, he'll he's happy to do it. To do. He's just happy to do whatever you want him to do. He just he's so happy to be here. You know, if yeah. I hope people read the story on Mike Thomas that I was able to that he him and Tyson Anderson and Jordan Battle and everybody opened up enough to to allow me to write. I was so happy to do it. Um, cause he's just a great, he's just a great, you, you see what's kind of what football is all about. Like when you talk yeah. about the great stories, I, I think of people like Mike and, um, how he has is paying it forward. So uh, if you haven't read that, go, go give, give it a look. I, I recommend it. I don't often recommend my own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely do this one. Um, yeah. let's see. Um, you got an editor's note for me before we welcome Moen? I do. I want you to explain something for us. Okay. Uh, I see that uh, Ken Anderson has his latest opportunity to make a move toward the Hall of Fame with a senior vote. And I wanted you to just lay out what all is involved with this go around with it. Yeah. So as we speak right now, I don't know when you're listening to this, uh, but on Tuesday, the there's a group of 12 pfwa or um you know you have voters um hall of fame voters shouldn't say pfwa that um are in charge of the senior vote there are currently it is whittled down to 12 finalists um and that group of 12 voters will put three in we'll vote three of those to go in or recommend them and that'll get verified in february at the super bowl um that vote is happening tuesday will be announced on wednesday who ended up getting in ken anderson is among them he has been among them many times 
he has been left out obviously to this point. And so it's, it's, I always feel for Kenny during this time of year because he's gone down this road so many times. And this is, it's sort of the same thing we talked about with Ken Riley, how he became so disenchanted with the process uh, as it went on and on and on and felt like his numbers should speak for themselves. Ken Anderson has never really gone on a public, you know, tour. He's never tried to pound the table for himself necessarily. He has taken it with pride and a bush light. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he is, he is happy and content as can be. And he never lets it really get to him. And I think that's because he's been through this so many times. Um, but that, yeah, that will be announced on Wednesday, the re- the results of that. So there's a chance that we hear Kenny Anderson's name come up on Wednesday. There's a chance that it ends up just kind of the latest round where he's been left out. One Another one that's just hard to really understand. But these senior committees, Dave, they're, it's so hard to get out of that. So I think for his sake, um, I hope that he ends up breaking through because it's just kind of an abyss. They're, they've added more. Now you have, you can get three people in. Um, but before, um, when it was one or two at most per year, it was even harder. So they're trying to clear the decks a little bit because they recognize what it is. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a tough it's a tough spot for Kenny. And I mean. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he can get out. Maybe this is the year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, on that note, let's uh, let's let's switch gears uh, and bring in my good friend, yours from ESPN 1530, Mo Egger. Mo, what's going on? How we doing? We are doing good. We we have kind of ticked through some of the news here, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about. We're doing a defensive show. Oh. Okay, we did it. We did offense last week. You got the luxury of doing 
you know what any good radio guy wants to do, and that's talk about the local quarterback. Well, of course, it's, it's not quite as sexy this week, um, unless you are a true grinder, and that's why I know our fans that listen to hear that podcast growling, true grinders. Is is that me? No, you're kind. Okay, you know, no, you're no. not a true grinder. No, you're, you're a true daily grind. I mean, you're a, you put in a lot of hours having talk about sports in this town per week, so that you are a grinder in that respect. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It's a lot of fun right now. I have been preparing for this segment with yeah. what I think is going to be a pseudo quintessential sports talk radio hot take for you. Yes. So just tell me when you want it. Hold on, I'm warming my hands okay. on the Zoom right now. Uh. So go ahead and just fire up, fire off your take. I have I have something I was gonna get to, but I want to let make sure your takes get fired off properly. So you go ahead and just fire off your Bengals defensive take. This is Mo's hot defensive take presented by no sponsor yet. But if you want to sponsor it, let us know. Yeah, we can we can make that a segment. Uh yeah. so in the in the final NFL rankings, right? And, and like, there's more advanced ways of doing this, but you know, it's like, all right, number one offense in the league. So like, for instance, I think the 86 Bengals were the, the number one ranked offense in the league in the final regular season rankings. I'm not going to say this is going to happen, but I think it could. The Cincinnati Bengals will have a higher rated defense than they do offense. Oh yeah. That is a nice take. Yeah. But let's and break. that is, that is not an indictment against the offense. It's a statement no. about how stacked I think they are for success on defense. I I don't necessarily I don't necessarily disagree with that because let's not forget you're talking about a Bengals offense that has been in the top ten in points per drive. Or Bengals defense has been in the top ten in points per drive each of the last mm-hmm. two years. This is that I mean, and and is there any assurances? I mean that the offense is definitely going to be top five. There's no assurances. You probably feel better about it, but th- sure. I mean, that's hard to do. There's a ton. Look at them on the AFC alone. Yeah. I mean, it, to, to get up there is, is hard to do. Meanwhile, I feel like the Bengals have stacked up on their defense and you know, we're going to spend all this time talking about the AFC loading up on quarterbacks. I don't see a lot of teams that you can say, man, they've really loaded up on their defense. There's a few, but not many more so than the Bengals have. Yeah, so there's a lot there. I guess for me, it's we've seen the Bengals offense with Joe Burrow spin its tires. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a theme last year, right? We've seen the Bengals with Joe Burrow as great as he is, as, as loaded as they are with weaponry. We've seen them at times spin their tires. To borrow your verbiage from your podcast last week, Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, from uh, last Friday, they can't run the ball for crap. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I, I think we're sort of hoping for a slightly improved running game, but it's probably not going to be the most explosive, most dynamic. It's still reasonable to wonder, okay, indeed, how good is the offensive line going to be, even if we say it's the best one Burrow has played behind. We don't know, okay, is it going to take a week or two for the for the offense to hit the ground running because of the Burrow injury and how it's affected training camp? I feel like the defense can hit the ground running, even if Deshaun Watson is the old Deshaun Watson again. <clears throat> but to me, it's, you know, every time this time of year, it's list season and, and people get so wrapped up and like, okay, who has the best group of wide receivers in the sport? I think it's Cincinnati. All right, do the Bengals have a top five offense? Hell, they could. Could they have the best offense in the sport? Nobody would be surprised. 
But the unit that I look at and go, where's the glaring hole is on defense. I mean, the defensive line depth, you've talked about this and written about it. I mean, we, we got guys who have looked dominant here in the preseason that might not make the team on the defensive line. We expect the pass rush to just be better. Lou Anarumo is going to have suddenly, I think, all sorts of pieces he can rotate on there. Uh, there are set at linebackers. They've been in a very long time. They're getting their best cornerback, who's a genuine shutdown guy. They have a wealth of talent in the secondary. And for all the fretting over losing Von Bates or Von Bates, Von Bell and Jesse Bates, Dax Hill was drafted earlier than Jesse Bates was. And Nick Scott strikes me as a different version of, of Von Bell, a, a player kind of going into that stage of his career that Von was coming into when he came to Cincinnati a genuinely great defensive coordinator, a system that works. I think a way of doing things, Paul, you and I have talked about this. You watch the Bengals on defense, man, sometimes the guy on offense makes a play. That's football. You don't see communication issues. You don't see assignment errors. Eli Apple's not here anymore, so you're not going to have as many shots of of a wide receiver streaking down the field by himself. You don't see breakdowns. It's such a well-coached unit with a lot of options, a lot of talent, why can't that be one of the best handfuls of defenses in the NFL? Now, you might say, okay, well, look, they're going to play Patrick Mahomes and they're going to play Trevor Lawrence and the, the offenses in the AFC North are probably going to be better. And okay, fine. But if the Bengals win the Super Bowl, which we're talking about this year in ways we've never talked about in my life, a big reason why is it, it feels like they're never going to be better set up to have success on the defensive side of the ball with the talent they have, with the continuity they have, with the early draft picks they've used, with the smart signings they've they've uh, engaged with, and with the defensive coordinator they have. I think that unit could be legitimately great, even if there's not like this, you know, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa sort of dude that you're like, holy crap, this is one of the biggest stars in the league. Maybe DJ Reader could be talked about in that conversation, or maybe Trey Hendrickson has that sort of year, or maybe Cheeto plays a full season and gets his due, but Tell me where the glaring weakness is on that defense. And if there is one, I trust Lou Anarumo to be able to plug it. Yeah. L- let me let me start here um, in, in unpacking some of that in that what what is a Super Bowl defense? This is a team that wants to win the Super Bowl. Let's 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 focus on that. OK, what is that? Um, if you go back through dating back to the 2019 Super Bowl and you look at the two teams that played in it, where did they rank in points per drive over the course of the season? The Chiefs <laughs> have been in there three times. They ranked 24th, 15th, and 15th on defense. Throw them out. It's unfair. Like, is Burrow Mahomes okay, maybe, but the Chiefs' offense is kind of its own thing. Let's talk about a full team effort winning a Super Bowl or being in the Super Bowl. The Eagles, Rams, Bengals, Bucks and Niners all have been in there and made it. They've all ranked between fifth and ninth in points per drive defensively. You don't need to be number one. In fact, maybe if you're number one, you're going to lose. I don't know why one through four are not in there at all, but fifth and ninth defensively, Mm -hmm. you need to be above average top 10. Okay. Uh, Somewhere in the top 10 defensively has you in the Super Bowl. With a good offense. We know the Bengals are should have a good offense. We know that they should have an offense that can go to the Super Bowl. That to me is not in question. The Bengals have ranked eighth to tenth the last two years, and this is the best of the three groups that they've had mm-hmm. in my on paper. That matters. They are set up to have a Super Bowl defense. It doesn't need 
to be, you know, 2012 Bengals, Geno Atkins and Michael Johnson and Carlos. It doesn't need (laughs) to be that. It might, but it doesn't need to be that. And I think that's important to keep in mind. And, And I'll say, you know, the outside of the safety thing, which is sort of the lock stock, you know, question that's thrown around when people doubt the Bengals defense we had you know I listened and I hope people did it's it's excellent um Robert Mays and Nate Tice did a top 10 defenses show on on the athletic football show and in fact they have an hour and 45 minute breakdown of the AFC North that posted today if you want Mm. if you got some time and you want (laughs) to go deep um it's on it's unbelievable stuff make sure you go take a listen to that after you do this um, and, and then after you listen to all three hours of Mo's show, including of course. us from three to four at Moreline Lager House yeah. uh, today. Um, but y- y- you, we've got a lot of top things for you to listen to. The point is, though, <laughs> you know, they they had them just outside of the top 10. And most of the reasoning used was, OK, what about Dax Hill and Nick Scott? And, and I think that's fair to sure. wonder because we haven't seen it. I think what we have seen has been really encouraging specifically from Dax Hill. I think you feel pretty comfortable with that. And when I'm talking about concerns, I don't think when you talk about those two guys that the conversation is about what those two guys can and can't do. It's a statement about how good Bates and Bell were. Yeah. Right. But they're better everywhere else. Right. I think, or, or at least the same. And I think they're better. I think this is the best four corners Mm -hmm. that they've had. Um, probably going back to the the years when they had like five first rounders with Leon Hall and Jonathan <laughs> Joseph and Adam Jones. And I I honestly think the the combination of Awuzie, Hilton, CTB, and DJ Turner as your four, um, right now is excellent. I mean, think about it. You mentioned Eli Apple. How do you feel today compared to? August 22nd of 2022 about Apple and CTB versus CTB and DJ Turner. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're con- yeah. CTB was a mess at this point last year. He was mm-hmm. hurt. We didn't think we were, we thought it was going to be a wash season. We didn't see any of them. It was, it was a mess. Okay. DJ Turner has set an incredible foundation. He's had a great camp. He looks like he's going to be a real guy. And CTB looks like it absolutely already has been a real guy at the end of last year and taken a real step in camp. That is a way better situation behind Hilton, who's had maybe his best camp. Thank you, backup quarterbacks. And <laughs> Chidibe Wuze, who looks to be fully healthy coming off an injury. That is a great four. I would put that four up against almost anyone. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's you could say that th- you could say this about the roster as a whole, but where's where's the glaring weakness like even if you want to sort of keep defaulting back to scott and dax hill uh is it going to be a glaring weakness where you're like oh my god every single week holy hell how are they going to cover up what they don't have at safety no now are there going to be growing pains because of chemistry issues and dax hill is you know really getting thrown to the fire for the first time at safety as an nfl player sure but does anybody believe like, oh, by the by the middle of the season, opposing offensive coordinators are just going to be salivating at the at the chance of of just exposing what the Bengals have at safety? Part of my rationale for my <clears throat> somewhat hot take is this. And, and for some, I know this is going to come off as 
I'm down on the offense. The Bengals might have the best offense in football. They might have ultimately by the end of the year, an MVP quarterback. Uh, They have a wealth of weapons. Even if their running game is adequate, it's, it's probably going to be good enough. And, and with the defenses they're going to face, who knows, maybe it can be far more than adequate, but typically when the Bengals lose, what's the more complicit side of the football in their demise? It's the offense. Offense. Yeah. Right. I mean, just the, the games last year, uh, shut out for a half on Halloween against Cleveland. Um, the, the Baltimore game, they didn't have reader. And so Lamar Jackson kind of did what he wanted to do. But th- the big asterisk to that game for me was no DJ reader. Also, Joe has a big pick to Patrick queen. The offense sort of spun its tires. And then we all know what happened the first two weeks. They turned it over five times and they did almost win three of those games. The AFC championship game. I think the, the defense top to bottom kind of played as, as well as you could expect against that offense, kind of turned the game around with a big pick. Joe and the offense had the ball late in the game with a chance to go score a touchdown or kick a field goal and go to the Super Bowl for a second straight year. This isn't offense is bad. It's this defense, when they lose, typically keeps them in the game. How many times over the last couple of years have you seen them just get shredded up and down the field? Even go back Kansas City, AFC championship game. Go back Kansas City, the game where Jamar Chase went nuts. Early in the game, it's like, holy hell, how do they stop these guys? And then they shut them out. Yeah. Uh, and it, it we're responsible for some of the game-changing plays in both instances. I, I just, I, I thought about this because I, I knew we were going to talk about this on the podcast, and I was thinking about it a lot last night while I was watching this insanely entertaining preseason game <laughs> that now has everybody talking about how awesome the preseason is for some reason. Did you not watch Bengals-Falcons? Oh, my God. But... <laughs> Like I go back over the last two years when we've talked about, okay, issues, what could derail this? What's it's usually been, why can't they run the ball more effectively? Why does the offensive line stink? Uh, Is it going to take Burrow some time to come off an an appendectomy or something? Issues like that. And again, man, they could have an absolute killer offense this year. And by the way, if both things are true, they're going to go 15 and two blitzkrieg everybody and storm to the Super Bowl, And it's, we're going to have a parade. But it really is true. It's it's it almost sounds cliche to hear, but for for as much as we talk about Burrow and the weapons and what they're going to do with T and Jamar Chase's impact and all of that, I mean, even like you referenced this in your your breakdown of the fifty three, it's feasible that they could trade from this surplus of too many defensive linemen to address maybe the two areas on the team where you say they don't have enough depth, which are offensive positions, Yeah, you know, running back and tight end. So I'm this conversation for me is about being bullish on what they've done on defense, what they have on defense, the coach they have on defense and a track record of performance that has very, very rarely left me dissatisfied on a week to week basis. One thing, you know, when you talk about carrying over from year to year is okay. We've seen so often that it's been points, not yards. And we saw it again in the preseason game with the first yeah. teamers out there. And it's this long drive, 10 minute drive down in the red zone. And they get the pick off the Hilton deflection in the, the Osai grab. And it's like, God, I feel like you've just seen this a million times. How, how sustainable can that be? So I kind of wanted to take a look at the sustainability of red zone defense. Bengals ended up last year, seventh. Uh, tied for fifth in, in depending on how you look at it um, in, in red zone defense. And that's cons- they've, they've been, you know, generally pretty good. Um, 
year over year, it's it's a it's variable. Like there's it's not like man, teams are just great in the red zone for the most part. It, mm-hmm. it, you look at the teams that were in the top five last year, three of them uh, were out outside of the top 10 the previous year. You did the, in the year before in 2021, the top five that year. Two of them were in the bottom three the previous year. Titans went from 30th to 4th. Saints went from 29th to 1st. Like, There's not always, there's very rarely teams that just like stay up there. Mm-hmm. There's one thing though, Lou Anarumo, as a defensive coordinator in goal to go defense, has been incredible. Mm-hmm. The Bengals have been in the top five each of the last three years in goal to go defense. That is scheme. That is valuing types of players. Look, he's out there and he has all the this versatility on his defensive line. He plays this this big three four right with Hubbard and Hendrickson mm-hmm. standing up. He va- they valued a player like DJ Reader. They, they that stuff shows up in where the points matter, and that's why they often talk so much about points, not yards, because they they know they're so good down there. And we saw it again the other day. That's a, something to remember that that has been sustainable. That has been. Can they continue to do that? Because that's the difference between them being an average defense the last couple of years and them being at the level that they have been in the top 10 is they've been so good with their backs against the wall. They've given up plenty of yards. Bengals fans that have watched every game know that mm-hmm. um, it's they've always been able to stand up at the end. And, and, and if you have a point off that, go go with it. But I have one more point to connect to that. And it's one that you said about the glaring weakness. I might have it. Okay. I mean, you know, what you just referenced, was there any more iconic moment last year than a play on the goal line? No question. No question. I mean, it it summed up their whole defensive season. It, 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 we talked about it. I I remember the, the Monday after the game, you, you and I, or the Tuesday after the game, you and I talked about it, right? This is what they do on defense. They make you in close games, awfully queasy, awfully nervous. And I, I was in the stands that night, man. I know what it felt like in the stadium, but there was also like this, all right, somebody's going to make a play. Somebody's going to make a play. They may kick a field goal, and they're going to have to come back and figure out a way to tie the game or take the lead. Somebody's going to make a play. And you know, the, the most cliched, perhaps, uh, verbiage we use in talking about defenses is bend but don't break. Watching the game on Friday, it's, it's, it's exactly what they did, right? Uh, they let Des and company go down the field. Somebody makes a play. Osai gets the pick. We're good. That's that's what they do. Uh, yeah. And so Von Bell against the Patriots. I Von mean. Bell, Von <laughs> Bell, and DJ Reader against the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. when it when it felt like this is going to be a disastrous. Yeah. This is going to ruin my Christmas. Right, Christmas Eve. This is going to be a disastrous loss. They had a lead. This Patriots team can't score. They've lost Lael Collins. This is going to be miserable. Somebody makes a play. There has been. You know, go back to the playoff run. Go back to the Super Bowl run. Jermaine Pratt makes a play. Jesse Bates makes a play against Tennessee. Uh, B.J. Hill makes a play. It, it just, against uh, against Kansas City, there's so much of that. And, you know, anecdotally is, are those things, can you, can you count on them time and time and time again? I don't know, maybe not. But then I, I look at the overall quality of the unit, and I look at the quality of the coordinator, man. And, you know, we've we've talked a lot about, one of the reasons why they're so poised for success is continuity on the coaching staff. They have a great, and you, you dive into the nuts and bolts of this far more than I do. And, and uh, they have a great defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. 
for, for, for the reasons that like, I just, you watch enough football, you see defenses where it's like, all right, not everybody's on the same page or not everybody knows their assignment or guys are quote, trying to do too much. You never see that here, man. Mm-hmm. With, without like a lister top of the line, you know, superstars on defense. Now, again, you could argue some of these guys should be more herald- heralded than they are, but they have a great defensive coordinator. Um, I, people expect Bill Belichick's New England defenses to be great. They they expect yeah. no matter who, you know, they'll they won't even look at the personnel. They right. won't even think about who's playing there. Uh, I just and and typically they are. Well, mm-hmm. if you talk about around the league about who the best defensive coordinators are, if you care about these lists, which I hope you don't, <laughs> but if you care about, I don't think you can have that conversation without Luana Rumo. If you just look at the results of the last two years, um, he has distinguished himself against the best quarterbacks in the biggest moments with the most consistency. And it, and it hasn't been because he's had an abundance of superstars. He's made it found ways to make them all work. You, you expect Belichick. Perhaps we should start expecting Anna Rumo uh, in a lot of ways. And he has talent. Here's the glaring weakness. Mm-hmm. DJ reader's health. Mm-hmm. He is so important. He is so game changing for everything they do. What I just mentioned about goal to goal, what I mentioned about how they're so good at stopping the run and hit that changing the numbers for what they can do interior pass rush. People don't give him enough credit for what he does there. And without him last year, they went from a top five or 10 group on early downs to a middle to back of the pack on early downs when they had to play without him for a long Mm -hmm. stretch. He has an injury history. He's getting older. DJ reader playing a full season at the level that he plays when healthy is the biggest concern that I have about the 2023 Cincinnati Bengals defense because he's so game changing and he has had a history of that. And he is getting older. I I worry about that. And I don't think they addressed it well enough behind him. Certainly no one can do what he can do. And and I don't see anybody else on the roster that can get close to it. Yeah. You know, I mentioned it before the Baltimore game on Sunday night last year where it just felt like Baltimore went to this, you know, 1907 playbook where it's <laughs> Lamar's going to take it himself. And the Bengals were kind of helpless against it. And you, you, you watch that drive unfold and you're like, this doesn't happen if DJ readers here, at least not with, with the ease with which they move the ball down the field and, and ultimately score. Uh, you and I have talked about like most indispensable players or the non borough MVP. And I, I think for, for me, at least he's at the top of that list. There's nobody yeah. who can do what he does. He's so valuable. Uh, I, I guess maybe the good news is with with suddenly the wealth of depth that it feels like they have on the defensive line. You know, maybe they can maybe they can keep him fresher. Maybe they can you know sort of reduce the workload a little bit, so to speak. But sure, he's you know could, could there, there's a lot of of mainstays on defense. Could Logan Wilson miss time in this defense still be pretty good? Yeah. Could Jermaine Pratt? Could Sam Hubbard? Uh, you take DJ reader off the field and he is at a stage in his career and he's got a track record now uh, where you do worry about this. There's, there's nobody who can replicate. There's no plug and play for DJ reader. No. And so, yeah, uh, as the season unfolds, if he has to miss significant time and certainly if he has to miss games in December, January, and February, that's, 
that goes without saying. That's yeah. that's an issue. Yeah. But right now he's healthy. But right now he's that's just it. And everybody can say that about their best defensive player, probably. Sure. You know, most teams, their top, you know, Miles Garrett in with the Browns. If he goes yeah. out, they don't no one can replace what he does. You know, TJ Watt, we've seen how different Pittsburgh was without mm-hmm. him. I mean, that's that's something that you can say. And and TJ Watt has an injury history too. Like these guys. This is part of it. This is the NFL. This is why from year to year, it's so all over the place. And there's so much change and parity because it, it the talent level is so close and one or two injuries just change everything dramatically. And and so that that is part of it. But if, if a weakness is maybe your best player could get hurt, you probably don't have. I should take the word glaring off that. Um, yeah. because it's just, everybody has a weakness like that. And, and it's, they're not the same player, but you know, this defense played the last half of the season without their best corner. Now it, replacing Chidobe Awuzie is different than plays replacing DJ reader. But when you talk about, we thought role, it ended them last year. We thought it ended the night? Super Bowl. Yeah. I, we, I said they are no longer championship contenders. Yeah. You, they, they I are, thought you were right. They are, and then they didn't lose another game until, until they didn't Kansas lose City. again. <laughs> I, I mean, and and Cheeto's great. The yeah. other thing is, you were talking about Lou Anarumo. I wonder this. Um, and look, he's gotten head coaching interviews, and we've we've I think we've beat that topic to death pretty good. But I wonder if the Bengals had a middling offense with a game manager quarterback, but still the exact same defense. If Lou Anarumo's profile would be higher, if you think. And I'm just really doing this off the top of my head. If if you think of basically the century, the defensive coordinators that tend to get a lot of run, uh, Marvin Lewis as an example in Baltimore. Now, Marvin did a, a amazing work with what might be the greatest defense of all time. The offense stunk. They won in mm-hmm. spite of Trent Dilfer. And I, I wonder, Rex Ryan's teams sort of the same way when, when he was coaching specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I'm sure there's other examples where – the defensive coordinator gets talked about more because the offense stinks and because the, the the defense is keeping the team afloat. And with Lou, you know, let's face it, when folks write and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, they're, they're not leading with Lou Anarumo's unit. They're not leading with Lou. They're, they're talking about Joe, and then you go down the line. And I, I just – I wonder from a – from the standpoint of, of having a big profile, if it would almost help Lou – if they had a, a an offense that wasn't as good, a quarterback who wasn't as good, an offense that wasn't as as explosive as Cincinnati's offense can be, I, I wonder if that would be the case because it feels to me like oftentimes, and maybe not always, uh, defensive coordinators get propped up a little bit when the the unit on the other side isn't quite as good. Yeah, I mean, Mike Zimmer was a great example here with the yeah. Andy Dalton offense. Sure. It gave, gave him a lot of run. Um, you know, Vic Fangio became a head coach eventually. Oh, and, for the he, love of God, for years, all I heard about was this Don Wink Martindale clown because the yeah. Ravens couldn't move the ball. <laughs> uh, Sean, then, Sean McDermott, uh, you know, in Carolina yeah. was a lot of time. I mean, they had Cam Newton, but a lot of times I, I think I think there's 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 something to that. The, the end of the day, you know, and mentioned Zimmer. Uh, I think when you talk about, you know, losing somebody to injury, I thought what solidified him most as a coordinator, maybe got him a head coach job in a lot of ways was 
the 2012 Bengals defense that when Geno Adkins, who was or, or 2013, 13, the, the year that Geno goes down on Halloween, another Halloween injury, another Halloween injury, not playing games on Halloween night. There's no question. Uh, when Geno goes down, they got somehow got better the rest of that year and had a great even won so many games. And he ends up getting a head coaching job after that. Uh, I, that's part of it too. You, to be able to sustain that, something like what happened at Cheeto, could Lou do the same thing with somebody like like Reader? Is it, it, it would be would be the question there? You got to find other ways to do it, and, and I think you, that's where you trust your guy. You got to trust that your coordinator can find a way to do it despite missing a few pieces. You can't miss a ton of pieces. Nobody can. You can't sustain you know a, a howitzer to your entire to entire position group, but. Right. One or two key players, you can scheme around it, and I think that's where you trust your coordinator and his staff can get it done. Mo, we have we have so much more. Do you have another any other hot takes you wanted to fire off, or should we just save them for three to four at Moreline Lager House today? That was I I, I crafted that for you, but like, I appreciate that. A hot take is for one. Me. A hot take is one that you maybe don't flesh out. I don't think it was hot. I think it was just a take. Like I yeah, like I I it's sort solid. of I, I worked through that in my head. I revisit. I, I want to. I want to mark that down. I'm going to mark it down here on this yellow piece of scrap paper that I definitely won't throw away between now and now and uh, January. Yeah. Uh, that I want to revisit that take at the end of the year and see if you were proven correct. Because I, I, I think, I think that's a, a solid take to have. It's not impossible wow. for sure. Finally, I came up with one. Wow, yes, that's it. That's taking this you're, long. You're, you're going to need to have another one for three hours this afternoon. Oh, so, my. so work on that. All right, Mo. Appreciate it. We'll see you then. I'm working on my messy take. You know, Messi's coming to town. I'm, I'm working on my. My messy, messy, actually not that good. Is that going to mean you can go there? Messy, overrated, overrated. FC is going to going to find a way to stop him. Yeah, sure. See you, Mo. Hey, guys. See ya. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
All right, great catching up uh, with Mo talking defense, spinning takes. Loved it. Um, let's let's get more into some of the specifics of this roster as we they get into final cuts next week on the defensive side of the ball. You know, we I want to start Dave with the defensive line. Um, and and we talked a little bit about the depth here and what you're seeing right now with, you know the play of somebody like Osai and you have miles Murphy and, and even, you know, even Raymond Johnson and these guys, it just seems like they just, everybody they're putting out there right now on in the defensive line, the edge room is really producing and making you feel super comfortable with how deep they go. And, you know, they, their sack numbers were low last year. But as pressure percentages and and things like that go, um, it was okay. I mean, it they they were 29th in sack percentage, but 13th in pressure percentage. To me, that stuff equals out. You know, sacks come and go. It's a volatile stat. How worthwhile is it? Consistent pressure is what helped make them such a good pass defense. And I think they're better. Um, at that group, when you're talking about, oh, the sack problem. I mean, they added Miles Murphy. You've got a potential breakout of Joseph Osai. You have year two of Zach Carter, who looks so much better on the interior. Um, I I just feel like all of that says they should be able to solve some of that and see even more, see more pressure. Because there were times when the pressure wasn't quite all the way up to snuff. Uh, yeah. last year but it's really deep right now and it continues to show that all preseason it's probably been the theme of the entire preseason do you this feels like a luxury to me too with murphy is i mean anarumo has eased rookies in in the past especially in the secondary it, did you see that as a, a chance to not put a lot of pressure on murphy this year because he's yeah part of a bigger rotation yeah and you wonder if he'll be active on game day too i mean i think I think the cut, and we're, we're talking here right now about the cut to 53, and that's fine. Um, I think the active 46, whatever, um, on game day is more interesting than the 53. What we'll hear on the opener against the Browns, because there's just a lot of players that I think that's where you'll really learn who what their plans are, how they really value some. Because I think 53 is is a lot more about who you can keep who you can stash, you know, and because the call-ups are so easy from the practice squad. Now the, the active players is, is a real sense of where the two deep stands. And I wonder if Murphy's a part of it initially, he will be, I mean, he'll be in the mix. He's a first round pick. He'll be in the mix. I think you've, you know, I feel it's a shame that he missed the game the other day due to illness, because these are really important games for him. But again, we just said it with Mo. I mean, CTB was a mess at this time last year. Yeah. And he ended up being partially saving their season with how he played at corner. You could maybe end up saying the same thing with Murphy if they need to call on him down the line and to have somebody like that waiting in the wings, you know, whether he's a project or, or whatever, um, I think is, is incredibly value and just speaks to where they're at. And you have written about and mentioned the possibility of trading from the surplus on this. What, yeah. uh, how realistic do you think that is? And which of these guys do you think could fetch the most if they're? Well, I think, you know, when you look at the history of how the Bengals have treated, they're not wheelers and dealers here. They yeah. are 
we're going to cut this guy. We don't think we're going to be able to get him back or we don't want him back. Or it's kind of the end for us with this. That's when the trade shows up. I mean, Billy Price yeah. was people have been saying you should trade him for years before that and yeah. that they waited until they knew they were done with it. Who on this defensive line do they know they're done with? Um, I I think it it would be okay. You're choosing to go young. You love what you've seen from Dominic Davis, okay? Yeah. Who is the big guy in the middle of of the group? If you like him enough, and you think he is the same as Josh Tupo, um, maybe you're moving that direction, and you're not going to ask Tupo to come back, or maybe you you know you don't think he'll want to. I, I don't know. Or, or you know, people need interior defensive linemen. Perhaps he's someone that you would trade a veteran. I don't think you would trade or how much interest there would be in a Dominique Davis. Um, you know, I don't think there is, but maybe someone that's a vet that's played, that feels like it's a known quantity is something that people do want to trade for and particularly yeah. projects. Somebody like that. Um, they're not going to trade somebody that they see a role for this year. I mean, Terrell Basham, Hasn't even been mentioned, but he was a vet who's done it in the league a little bit. He, they're gonna, I would assume, he has no room for him. I mean, to yeah. me, the locks right now are Hubbard, Hendrickson, Reader, Hill, Osai, uh, Zach Carter, Miles Murphy. Cam Sample's probably gonna make it. I mean, Tupo is probably probably gonna make it. Tufele's probably gonna make it. Here's guys that are on the outside. Davis, who's looked great. Raymond Johnson, the third, who just does nothing but produce and when he's been in in the preseason. He's probably a practice squad guy because I even a pre productive preseason. Maybe someone would pluck him just because he's looked good. But, yeah. I mean, he's still Raymond Johnson, the third. I mean, you don't, you know. Gunter, who was a seventh-round pick last year, who they've liked enough to keep and had a nice preseason. And Basham, who's been a dude in this league. Those are all guys on the outside. I think there could be any of those, you know, a, a guy like Basham, a guy like Tupo, maybe could could fetch something even if you're talking about a late round pick or another depth piece on at a tight end you know a third tight end uh it's possible i, I think that would be probably where you would be looking they're not going to trade somebody they think could help them this year that yeah. that's somebody that they are realizing we're ready to move on from yeah well davis and johnson have definitely done a nice job of putting audition tape together for other teams. So uh, I, yeah, it's hard. I, I never, you know, preseason performers like this make it hard. And that's why I always am so in awe of how any of these professional scouts or a guy like Duke Tobin, who just has an eye for it. You know, the other day, there's a lot of talk about Andre Yoshibosh. The eye that you have to have as a guy like Duke Tobin as an evaluator to take what Yoshivash was doing at Princeton in the Ivy League and say this can translate and he's ahead of what people think. It's it takes so much experience and understanding of that to know that. I think it's the same thing when you talk about somebody like Davis or Raymond Johnson. Like, does this translate from preseason to real dudes? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a question they have to ask themselves. If they think it does. Um, then maybe a, a vet like Tupo ends up on the outside, even though, you know, he's he's kind of been a solid piece here for a while. Yeah. Um, I think linebackers are clean cut and not even worth a discussion. 
Uh, you're going to keep five. They're going to be Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt starting, Akeem Davis, Gaither, and Marcus Bailey behind. And Joe Bocci is a great fifth linebacker, all of them with special teams value on the back. It's just, it's a well put together group. They're young. Uh, they're top. They have nice depth. They're good at the top. It's just a really nice linebacker room, which is the first time I think I've ever said that in my 14 years covering this team. And a testament to that draft that brought three of them in. Yep. After years of not being able to find linebackers, mm-hmm. they got three good ones in one draft. I, I, I think Marcus Bailey's one of the real unsung heroes of the team with everything he does. And he could have had a Tyson Anderson game if he just could catch the ball. Yeah. Well, that's why he's a <laughs> linebacker, but he was in the right exactly. spot. So that counts for something. Um, at safety, I also think it's pretty clean uh with Dax Hill and Nick Scott, uh, Tyson Anderson. And I, I think Tyson Anderson is ahead of Jordan Battle. Um, I think he's played better than Battle. You know, we had the prominent taunting. And Zach Taylor kind of said yesterday, in the moment, I was mad about it. In the moment, I was thinking it wasn't a great flag. I watched it. It was a good flag. And he's actually really happy it happened. It's a great preseason lesson for all these rookies to learn. This happens. Like waving your finger, wagging your finger, stepping towards a guy after a play. This is what they flag. And this is the type of stuff that causes games. So every, it was a good, he said it was a great teaching moment for everyone to watch the tape and understand how important that can be in the course of a game where you let a drive continue because of that. And um, so battle though is he's working his way. He's grinding through this. It's been a tough camp, I think for him, but rookies, it's a rookie camp. It's a rookie camp. You're swimming a little bit. And I think he is. How much is, I know he's the starting safety, but how much is Dax Hill's versatility give them wiggle room. In other words, if you if you had a corner good if if Hilton wasn't there and you had to put Hill in at corner at nickel and you could move Battle or Anderson up, does that does that make for more flexibility at corner or would they is is Hill just so solidified now as a safety that they won't really think that way? It's a I mean it's kind of a philosophical question. I mean, a lot of people say are you going to are you going to take one of your players who's playing as a strength? It's like when they talk about if you have an injury at left tackle, like if if Orlando Brown went down, would yeah. you move Jonah to left if he was playing really well at right? Yeah. You know, it, it's philosophical the same way if if Dax Hill's playing really good at safety but they get obliterated at corner, would you move him out there because you could put a guy like Anderson? I I think that's a tough question. Um it gives them some versatility uh, yeah. because the, I mean, these guys have it. They do have what I think is solid depth at safety. I think you'd have to get pretty deep into yeah, the weeds. I think of, you of could, injuries. you could get a little, you could get a little too cute with that too. If you yeah. start trying to patch things together that way and suddenly I, you're yeah, you move, you don't want, you don't want five, you don't want five moving pieces back there. You probably yeah. want one and, I think- and put the new piece in. I think it's easy for somebody like me that looks at it from the outside. It's it's like it's in every sport. There's that attitude of just move this guy there and it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, we yes. saw it with the Reds with Ellie De La Cruz. Just put him at this position, that position. So, yeah, I think you can't get too cute with it. But it is interesting. I mean, they do have interesting versatility with some of these guys. Yep. So that's definitely a strength. Uh, you know, the corner spot, there's a bubble here. Uh, Hilton, CTB, Awuzie, DJ Turner. I think Jalen, Jalen Davis, man, he continues to have, I, I, Jalen Davis is one of my favorite stories because when we first met journeyman Jalen Davis uh, three years ago, two years ago, he said to me, I, I just, my goal is to be on the same team two years in a row. 
like because he wow. just he kept getting cut and moved on. And I talked, I reminded him of that yesterday after he had two interceptions in practice and has has had another great camp. And he just kind of looked at me and smiled and he's like, "That's facts. I remember <laughs> that very clearly. That's all, who I will always be." Is yeah. the guy that knows that these days, like the one he had yesterday at camp, are defining. They are part of being a guy who has to scratch and claw every year to hang on. And he has had to do that again, and he's done it again. And he's appreciated by this coaching staff. I mean, last year they called him one of the best 32 nickels in the league. He's had been able to learn from Mike Hilton, who multiple coaches here have called him the best nickel in the league. I think you know, having somebody like him continue to prove himself in the background has been another nice depth piece that not a lot of people talk about because he hasn't been asked to play because Hilton stayed healthy. Um, but I think they're really comfortable with him and he's proved at this camp. I think he's, he's played well and, and earned that spot. So that leaves you the sixth corner among DJ Ivy, Sidney Jones and Alan George keeping one there probably. Um, you know, I think they want to keep the draft pick, um, but, you know, he hasn't exactly been uh, tight in coverage all the time. Uh, he's made some really nice plays and you've seen flashes. Um, whoever this is, is probably inactive on game day. Uh, but uh, in that for that fact, it's probably Ivy just because you can develop him in the background. But uh, that's where that bubble sits right now. Those guys battling it out to see who hangs on at the back of the, the deep, the corner room. Yeah. All right. That is kind of that. As far as, you know, again, cut down day is next Tuesday, the 29th. They'll cut all the way down from 90 to 53, one clean cut this year and uh, see who they can try to stash. And then it, it changes in the days after. So don't, if you think your guy that you love made it, wait a minute. <laughs> often that guy that I always the worst stories and Jalen Davis is one of my favorites the worst stories are the guy that thinks they make it and get cut the next day after yeah. a waiver wire pickup there were yeah. three of those last year That's and brutal. it's just it's brutal and so it's a tough time it's a tough day um, a lot of guys have played well and there's a lot of depth on this defense but you know we'll be tracking will will a trade happen I think that's maybe the more important storyline than who will these cuts will happen um, because there's there are certainly trades that they can make, and this team hasn't always been one to do it, but when they have, it has often turned out well. We continue to reference B.J. Hill for Billy Price, um, but they also at one point in time acquired Reggie Nelson. Um, like we've seen, we've seen them do some trades this time of year that have been fleecings that have been very beneficial. So yeah, on top of that. Um, before we get to Arby's, I do want to address uh, – you know, the Joe Mixon situation. Uh, we had, you know, Joe, uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, mm-hmm. but he had some uh, some thoughts about the media group uh, and reporters that he did not want to take questions from. Uh, and good for him. He's, that was on Sunday. I, I want to I talk people through this, okay? <laughs> because... This is something that is honestly kind of funny and something that happened. I can't tell you. This is one of those times, Dave, where having been around here since 2009, covering the team kind of full time since 2010, I have seen this happen so many times. This this is a regular event, and it was a regular event 
often uh, on under previous teams. They had a locker room full of junk like this stuff happening. I think it stands out right now because this team hasn't had a lot of this type of stuff. Issues, yeah. big issues off the field, right? Confrontations like this because the locker room is a really good one. I, I went around and I think I've told the story after the draft about how I went out around and when I was introducing myself and just kind of chatting up the draft picks said, you guys don't understand how lucky you are to come into this locker room. There is so many really good guys here. Just dudes that really Mike Thomas is of the world that really care about the teammates around them that are not there in any kind of trouble generally, like a, a lot of that good stuff. And I'm, not speaking on Mixon as a leader or whatever. I'm just speaking in general. And that has kind of shown itself in recent years. There's just been very little. I mean, look, I remember Jermaine Gresham running around, not t- refusing to talk to anybody who here works for Cincy Jungle. And we're like, none of us, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, Pac-Man going off after a case. James Harrison personally stared me down and I thought was going to strangle me at one point <laughs> for asking about his ability to play in a 4-3 defense. Like Vontez perfect on a daily basis, yeah. causing, <laughs> confronting reporters. And maybe the best player they've had in the last 20 years, Von, uh, Gino Atkins, notably never spoke to any of us for the duration yeah. of his career and retired without wanting to announce it. So he probably didn't have to talk to any <laughs> of us. And we made a daily running joke of how Jim was going to try to talk to Gino. We had <laughs> Gino notes where he would walk up to him and say, do you want to talk today? Yes, no, maybe. And give him a box. Like and it was, <laughs> this happens. It's yeah. what locker rooms are. Like we are not in there and, and thinking that it's not going to point in times be confrontational or guys are going to love everyone. It's there's, it's just not what it is. We are in there and we often have to ask tough questions. We often have to ask about uncomfortable topics and we often have to talk to that about very prideful, competitive people. This stuff happens. It's okay. It's the job. It's yeah. an NFL locker room. Okay. And when you get money and courts involved, it almost always happens in some way. So to think that this was a deal, this was a big thing that everybody should be, you know, up in arms about is just not really understanding what locker rooms are. And this stuff does happen. It's funny, but it it happens. It's, it's okay. There's, There's a couple things about how it happened, though. If anybody here has seen Half-Baked, and there's a scene where Scarface very famously quits his job at the burger joint, and he drops the F-U, F-U, you're cool, F-U, you're cool, (laughs) and I'm out, and throws down the microphone thing. Like, that is pretty close to what happened. Yeah. I approached Joe. And it was kind of been said beforehand, like, Joe's not going to want to talk. I'm like, well, I think I'd like to ask him that to him, to his face. And because it was the first day after his case, I mean, we have to ask these questions. He said, look back at me and everybody and said, I'll see y'all later. And then kind of paused for a second, realized I'm going to do this. And he did it. It was F you, F you, you're cool. F you. And then I'm out. And he kind of walked off. And, and that's, 
really the extent of what happened. And then the next day, obviously came back and said, all right, let's let's just do this and be done, be done with this. Doesn't need to be a thing. All right. And spoke. I had questions about the case I wanted to ask him about his offseason. I wanted to ask him and I did. I asked him if he had any regrets about how the cases and everything went down. He didn't really want to get into that and kind of said, oh, you know, I want to be a great team player and I'm not going to get in. He basically kind of dodged it essentially. And I asked, we felt like he talked about being a great teammate. I said, if you, you know, with teammates, did you feel like you needed to get in front of them and explain yourself, explain what happened? Um, And he said, no, they knew what it was. What's understood doesn't need to be explained or however he put it. Okay. So no, you didn't. And that, and that's what I wanted to know if he had any regrets or if he felt like he needed to explain to his teammates or apologize or any of that. And and the answer was no. And that's the answers I wanted. Those are the questions that needed to be asked. And, and that's a big part of this. Yeah. I, I thought it was almost kind of funny that it had like less than a 24 hour shelf life of uh, <laughs> him not talking. I think this this really gained a lot of traction because there were specific outlets that were named and specific reporters. Yeah. And it became a very aggregated thing on social media. Lots of sites were picking it up because it made for a good flashy headline coming off, you know, a high profile court situation. But it is interesting that less than 24 hours later, it's almost like, I'm not going to say bygones or bygones, but he, he did his thing. He talked to everybody, he addressed it. And really, the smartest thing he can do because now you move on. Now we're not dwelling on it unless something else comes up with it. So, um, yeah, it's it seemed like uh, a lot of fuss about something that wasn't that big of a deal. The, the one thing I do want to say about this that that I didn't like is what I've seen. Now, granted, I I don't like a lot of things I see on social media, mm-hmm. but what I've seen is a lot of attacks on these reporters that have done their job myself yeah. included like i whether i w- was included in the stupid list thing or not i don't care um i don't know why i was or wasn't i don't think he knows necessarily even who everybody is or maybe he doesn't have a subscription to the athletic i don't know i don't care but it, the point is a lot of negativity um and dragging of reporters who did their jobs Okay, this was reported fairly, and every question that was asked of Katie Blackburn, of addressing the issue in the room, of these cases, of his contract situation, needed to be asked. You, You have to ask these questions. That's what we're here for. I understand the pro Bengals sentiment that exists right now in this fan base. It should. They're winning. Times are good. Life is great. But I, again, I go back. I've been around this mother. Okay. If we go back to the days, if I just never would have addressed if Marvin Lewis's job was safe for three years, you guys should have been crucifying me, dragging me. If we never asked about, what their feelings were on Adam Jones's arrest. We should be dragged. Or if we never would have asked about their decision to let Andrew Whitworth walk and not pay him. What, what kind of reporters would we be? This is the same thing. This is a real topic. It needed to be asked all the way to the top. It needed to be addressed. This is a seven-year captain. 
at a prominent position who had to take a pay cut, who they asked to take a pay cut, who had multiple cases that were out there, a four-day trial. These are real questions. So to, to, to go after reporters, any of us who asked these questions is is going after them for doing their job. It's what the job is, okay? It may be uncomfortable sometimes, but it's what the job is. And, you know, I, I don't know why some people have beef with other one, and I don't want to get into what people's beef was. But it better not have been for asking the questions. Yeah. At any venue, at the combine, at the owners' meetings, at Mock Turtle, any of it, because these questions needed to be asked and addressed. Um, that's what the job is. So that that can't be the beef. Yeah, there's a line that's blurred there, at least that I see. Not just on this, but a lot of things that there's there's a segment out there that thinks reporters of the team should be fans of the team. And that's not to say you can't be pleasant about the team and write nice stories about the team, but that's not that's not what a reporter is supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be there reporting on what's going on and holding people accountable. And um, that's that's a pretty basic uh, pillar of journalism right yes. there. So that that gets blurred. And I, I saw a lot of that aimed at the reporters that were named uh, as if they're out to get the Bengals or they're anti-Bengals or they're anti-Cincinnati. And it's not the case. I mean, we know all these people and it's not the case. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is about accountability. The funny thing is we see a different segment when we write something too nice that we're being cheerleaders and not being harsh enough. I saw it when you wrote about Jonah Williams, there are mm -hmm. people that don't want to hear it. The, I saw one that said the, uh, the Jonah Williams, uh, propaganda machine is running again. Well, we're reporting what we're seeing and what's going on. So, um, there, we're, there's always going to be criticism coming from different corners, but I, I totally agree with you that um, people had to ask these questions. And if we don't, if we just sat back and did nothing with this and just acted like nothing's happening, we we'd take a beat down for that. So, yeah, and rightfully. And so I, I you know, like at one point I, I wrote about how the Bengals have turned their heads to issues off the field when it's inconvenient for them in, in, in regards to the learning from Mixon's off season and somebody sort of suggested that you know uh you know i like what you're you do but i feel like whenever you talk about mixing you you know it's it i don't like it's too negative and you should be more supportive and the point is it's you know that word specifically we're not here to be supportive that's not our job it, it may come across that way um because when you talk about a team like we have the last couple of years that's winning a lot i think the conversation tone ends up being that because a lot of people are doing the right things and succeeding and and doing it the right way that so you do get that tone but it's not about support or non-support it's about truth it's about what's actually happening and so yeah a lot of what you're hearing right now is positivity around most people because a lot of what's happening right now is good but when it wasn't when it was marvin battled when it was you know all the off-field stuff that was going on whether it was you know you know the tone was negative then people Paul Downer Jr. was born, right? Like, <laughs> I I am just saying what's happening and, and negative tone comes when things are negative. Positive tone comes when things are positive. This Mixon situation was not positive for him, 
for the Bengals having to to do the pay cut for the for the the victim for the the courts all of it, and so that's part of what happens. And again, back to to tie a bow on this and end it. This stuff happens. It happens everywhere. It's happening everywhere, and it's it's part of a locker room. And it's it's not. It's really. I know people love talking about it and they love aggregating it. It's, it's just not that big of a deal. Um, and life goes on, and we're all going on. Which which brings me to my Arby's. <laughs> This week has just turned an already stupid camp. Like it's just been a weird camp. Everything weird has happened from the burrow injury off the top to just like everything's felt fraudulent at times. It's been like insanely hot. It's just seems like every day is a new weird thing in this. The, the band reporters, the, the Scarface half-baked incident is just the latest, but it was just, this last couple of days have just kind of turned it on its head. At one point, Darren Simmons is kind of working the sideline and, and holding you know next to them. He's kind of the referee slash making sure the chain gang people have the right situation set up by the script and sees us out there because fans are gone now. It's just the media and we're standing there and he goes, do they uh, do they let the band reporters hang out right here on this line? Or do you have and I was like, no, they we try to keep them to it. It's a joke. Um, um, you know what I mean? Like, it's a joke. Darren's turning around talking about the band reporters. At one point during yesterday's practice, a man on a bike just came biking into the practice. He just, the gate must have been open and security couldn't stop him. He just rode his bike up the walkway onto the other field not being used. It was just doing circles. And the security <laughs> person was trying to chase him and couldn't get him. We're all just, everyone's practice stopped as we all stop and laugh. And then all of a sudden you hear a, oh, because she like tackled him into the bushes <laughs> and then he took off. Uh, it was like 195 degrees. Burroughs still not out there or signed. It, Trags was wearing a banana shirt. <laughs> like we, at some point, the conversation went to who's the stinkiest media member because we all were sweating so aggressively. It's just we have we reached such a low point in camp, like I, or high point, depending <laughs> on how you want to view it. It's just every camp has the most ridiculous of days, and the last two days were that. And I just have been laughing hysterically because at a certain point, it's all you could do. But it's just been so funny. The man on the bike, though, <laughs> it's just I like, think, can we shut the gate? I can we shut the gate a, during practice? You need. A 2,500 word feature on this man on the bike. I want to know know. more. I mean, intrepid reporter Richard Skinner quickly walked down there to try to get a better view of where the man on the bike (laughs) ended up in the bushes. I mean, we had the drone earlier in camp that some kid like flew over top of the practice was like following the receivers. They had tracked him down. Like, it's just this security, security is driving their cart up on the bridge to keep an eye on the bridge movement people <laughs> like where where is hard knocks when we need it this would have been you don't need hard one. knocks everyone's got a video camera <laughs> or a bike that's true oh that's true it's just been but hey everybody's appendix has stayed intact so there's that knock you've got wood wood <laughs> i true. think i got to bust mine just telling that story oh <laughs> uh, all right fun episode dave uh Every time we start, I say we don't need to do an hour and a half episodes. We're not that's not what it's gonna be. And then here we are, which only says I just can't shut up. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs>
I hope people are enjoying the content. Uh, we will, of course, have more for you. We're going to get much more into season preview mode. Um, going to have a conversation with Zach Jackson in Cleveland coming up soon as that game gets closer. Um, a lot more fun season preview content. And then we mentioned next Tuesday, we won't come to you until after um, cut down day. But we've got, but we've got, you know, shows before then walkout coming. Okay, so all kinds of great stuff. Keep an eye out for it. That'll wrap us up, Dave. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.